Welcome to the Richard Roper Show. We are celebrating two holiday classics that were released on the same day 20 years ago. We're going to talk about Love Actually and Elf. Believe it or not, released on the same day 20 years ago. Both have become holiday classics. I would argue that we haven't had a holiday classic since then. We'll get into all of that in just a minute. But first, here's your reminder. The Richard Roper Show is brought to you by AmericanEagle.com Studios. The digital landscape is changing rapidly. And to compete in today's online business environment, you're going to need an experienced partner. Since 1995, AmericanEagle.com has partnered with companies of all sizes, offering web design, web development, e-commerce, mobile apps, and digital marketing to drive your overall business's success because they believe that today's online world is your online opportunity. Visit AmericanEagle.com to get started today. That's AmericanEagle.com. Why are you smiling like that? I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. Make work your favorite. That's your favorite, okay? Okay. Work is your new favorite. Fine. Time for the announcement. Okay, okay people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. I know him. He'll be here to take pictures with all the children. Yeah. Just keep your receipts. 10 a.m. tomorrow. 10 a.m. tomorrow. Santa's coming to town. Ha, you know it, you love it. That is a clip from Elf, which came out 20 years ago. Can you believe that? Uh, here's the deal, guys. This is pretty incredible. We talked a, a few months ago about, um, I think it was when we were doing, when Barbie and Oppenheimer were coming out. We talked about there are certain cases of, two memorable movies coming out on the same date. That doesn't happen a lot in part because Hollywood, you know, positions releases and they don't want to compete with one another or they'll counter program. So you'll have a horror film coming out the same week as a rom-com, that sort of thing. Uh, but on November 7th, 2003, two films destined to become holiday favorites were released. Love Actually and Elf. Now, Elf obviously is a Christmas movie uh, through and through. Uh, it's interesting that uh, Richard Curtis, the writer-director of Love Actually, said that he didn't initially think of Love Actually as a as a holiday movie, which is seems insane to me because it starts with like literally saying five weeks to Christmas and people reference Christmas throughout. And we have that whole subplot about Christmas is all around, uh, you know, the Bill Nighy thing. So to me, it's like, well, I don't know. How you could say it's not a Christmas movie, but there you have it. Um, it certainly has become a Christmas movie. Uh, so we're going to talk about the uh, the two films uh, in particular. Uh, I'm going to get into some of the details and fun things about uh, Love Actually. You can go to uh, SunTimes.com, Chicago SunTimes website, SunTimes.com, and see my tribute to Love Actually as well. Uh, it's interesting because so Love Actually and Elf came out on the same day, November seventh, two thousand three. Love Actually uh, was really kind of a moderate hit in the United States, uh, a gross of $60 million, but it pulled in $185 million internationally. So it had a worldwide total of $247.9 million. Now, Elf was a bigger hit domestically, domestic take of $178 million, and uh, only made about another $50 million overseas, if you will. So both films uh, did very, very well because neither film was particularly expensive. They weren't huge budgets. And uh, between the two, the initial grosses were $227 million for Elf, as I mentioned, about $248 million 
for Love Actually. And then they became perennial must-watch TV movie watching for so many families, not just in the United States, but around the world. Uh, we've also had, we had the uh, the Red Nose, actually, which was the short uh, film, which updated us on some of the characters with all the proceeds going to charity. We've had, in both cases, there have been uh, stage productions and musical adaptations. They never did a sequel to either one, a, a pure sequel, and I think that's fine. It's interesting, though, because as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, I don't know that we've had another film. Now, I know there are a lot of films that have come out since then, and people, like, you know, love them. But I don't know if we've had another film that has had the impact of Elf or Love, actually. It's interesting, too, actually. Bad Santa came out about a month, I want to say about a month after these two films, and a lot of people love that. Billy Bob Thornton, of course, has a cameo as the United States president, the American president in Love, actually. But uh, Bad Santa was kind of brought in that new era. Uh, There had been stuff before like that, but the kind of dark uh, takes on the holidays. But just because I think the nature of the business has changed, I can't think of a single film and you guys can reach out. You can always reach me at rroper at suntimes.com or, you know, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram. But I can't think of another film that's come out between 2003 and 2023 that has become a real holiday classic every year around this time. If you see like if you look at things like uh, Google Analytics and searches and stuff. Uh, it's off the charts for Love Actually and Elf because people are looking up, where can I see it? Can I record it? Is it going to be something I'm going to have to pay a couple of bucks for on one of the streaming services? I don't know if there's another movie that has attracted that kind of annual attention. We get now every year around this time dozens of Hallmark and Lifetime and Netflix, etc. movies. You know, the, you know the movies I'm talking about that are, you know, all most of them anyway, variations on the same theme. Uh, they're all sweet. They're all corny. I think they're all pretty much harmless. And I don't, I don't mock anybody for wanting to see them because it's comfort viewing. It's like having a plate of sugar cookies. You know, it's always about someone's going back to their hometown. Uh, they're usually a cynical city person. And now they go back to their hometown or they visit a new hometown. And it's always this idyllic Christmas village hometown where you know everybody loves everybody else There's a little conflict here and there but nothing too heavy and if it's like a, a woman she comes home and then she meets a christmas tree farmer and she's all cynical at first but by the end of the movie she's decided she's going to quit her big job in this city and she's going to live with the christmas tree farmer and all that kind of great stuff but those movies are kind of disposable there's some sequels to them but i don't know necessarily that people are going oh i gotta i gotta watch that one every year because they come out with like five dozen every year brand new ones uh, but those two films from 2003 continue to resonate. A couple of things about Elf uh, that I, I, I find interesting, and I hope you do too. You know, Will Ferrell, obviously, uh, people knew him by then. He had done Old School and, and things like that. But that was the movie that really made him a star. And it's interesting because Jim Carrey was the first choice to play Buddy the Elf. And for whatever reason, uh, I, I think, I believe that Jim Carrey wisely backed away from the role, realizing that, you know, Jim Carrey's a comedic genius, but there's a certain edge to him that I, that I think, you know, has worked really well in some movies and sometimes has worked against him because there, I, I, you know, that's when you think about it, it's really delicate material to have a grown ass man playing a, a man child who's an elf without it being kind of off putting or it could be even creepy. And Jim Carrey has that darkness. You know, that's maybe why he wanted to play the Grinch. He had had played it a, a couple of years earlier. 
but Will Ferrell has, you know, he has that great combination of he could be a grown man and he could do serious dramatic roles, but he's got that innocence where you just love this big uh, galoot. Who the heck are you? What are you talking about? I'm Santa Claus. No, you're not. Uh, why, of course I am. <laughs> well, if you're Santa, what song did I sing for you on your birthday this year? Happy birthday, of course. <laughs> uh, so, uh, how old are you, son? Four. You're a big boy. What's your name? Paul. And uh, what can I Paul, get you for Christmas? Don't tell him what you want. He's a liar. Let the kid talk. You disgust me. How can you live with yourself? Just cool it, Zippy. You sit on a throne of lies. Look, I'm not kidding. You're a fake. I'm a fake? Yes. How'd you like to be dead? Huh? <laughs> no, he's kidding. You stink. I think you're gonna have a good Christmas, all right? You smell like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa. Okay. <gasps> I think that was the right move. Uh, when you go back and watch the film, you'll notice there's almost no CGI. They originally had looked into making that movie because it does have some sort of, obviously, obviously these fantastical elements. But they actually tried to make it more like the, um, you know, those animated uh specials like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, you know, those kind of relatively primitive kind of look to them, but very memorable, uh, very colorful. Uh, I think they got the right look on that. And the casting, I think it was great. Zoe Deschanel uh, was perfect to play. The love interest, Bob Newhart, of course. Uh, I, I certainly can see uh, why Elf has become uh, such a perennial because it's also, it's kind of an easy watch. Even James Caan, who I love, we lost James Caan, not that long ago, you know, it gave him a chance to play uh, kind of a warmer character. I remember him telling me that they were going to do a sequel to Alpha. He had never been, James kind of never been in a franchise. Obviously, he was in the, the first Godfather, but he, you know, Sonny gets killed in the causeway uh, in Godfather 1. He appears in a flashback sequence in Godfather 2, and he, he actually said at the time, he was like, finally, I get a franchise. My grandkids will never have to worry. My kids and grandkids will never have to worry about working again because there's so much money to be made from that. So, will you be staying with us then? You mean I can stay? Of course you can. Emily. How, how long do you think you'll be with us? I, I hadn't really planned it out, but I was thinking like forever. Emily, can I just speak to you for a minute in the uh, kitchen, please? Are you crazy? He cannot stay here. Clearly, he has some serious issues. We can't just throw him out in the snow. Why not? He loves the snow. He's told me 15 times. And they had Elf 2 pretty much ready to go until Will Ferrell uh, pulled the plug on that. And again, I think he made the right move because um, he just thought it was a, a, a repeat of what they had already done and wanted to do new material, move on. So Elf is a standalone classic. 20 years ago, Elf came out. Tell you what, we're going to take a little break here. We're going to talk about Portillo's, and then we're going to get into Love Actually. All right, let's talk a little bit about Portillo's. They're known, of course, for their famous Chicago hot dogs with all the freshest and tastiest ingredients, right down to that famous poppy seed bun. Then we have to talk about the legendary chocolate cake. And everybody knows if you've ever been to Portillo's, but if you don't, 
you never put the cake in the fridge. You have to have it at room temperature. That's how it's delivered to you or handed to you in the restaurant. That's the way you have to taste it. And of course, the menu has everything from the char-broiled burger to Italian beef to some really good chopped salads. But oh, that chocolate cake, I'm telling you. Now, there are locations throughout the Midwest and in Florida, California, and Arizona. But you can also ship Portillo's anywhere in the United States of America by ordering at portillos.com. That's P-O-R-T-I-L-L-O-S.com. P-O-R-T-I-L-L-O-S.com. Twenty years ago, on the very same date, Elf and Love actually were released. It's interesting. We talked about Elf and. I don't know if there are any real critics. If people didn't love it, they didn't love it. But it's not one of those movies that um, through the prism of time, people have looked back and said, well, this is problematic or that is problematic. It, it's Elf, right? It's a little bit different with love, actually. Listen, I love the film and I'm not going to apologize for it. I always have. I think it's a, a great repeatability factor. You want to watch it time and time again. But about five, six years ago, we started seeing a blowback against love, actually. Uh, there are articles you can you can look them up by by critics who, by the way, who, who make some very good points, but are, are sometimes you know have this almost visceral hatred for love. Actually, there are some people who just they say it's simply not a good film. I couldn't disagree more about that. I mean, I think it's very well made, well edited, obviously a huge cast, beautiful score and soundtrack. But some people say it's not even a good film. The bigger problem that some people have with love actually uh, would be the power dynamic in, in many of the relationships where it's a man who's in charge or an employer or the boss, whatever the case may be. And then there's a love story between the two. That's not really on equal footing, which would be very problematic, especially the workplace relationships that are depicted in the film. And I get that. And I agree. And I understand that, you know, there's, there's sexism at work. Uh, some people have talked about the lack of diversity in the cast, which is mostly white. And Richard Curtis has said if he did it again, he would do some different casting. Uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor obviously is in it, but it's a, it's about a you know the vast majority of the characters are are Caucasian. You know, it's the same kind of thing when people talk about Friends and Seinfeld and other shows and and movies from the especially from before 2010. Valid criticisms. That all being acknowledged and um, with respect, I still love the film and a lot of people do. I think, you know, the thing about love, actually, it's a it's a romantic comedy. And a lot of people said, you know, a lot of these characters, they fall in love very quickly without knowing that much about each other. Well, that happens in 
almost all rom-coms. That's why When Harry Met Sally uh, was considered uh, such a unique take on the rom-com because it was obviously the whole point of the movie and the whole question asked by the movie was, you know, can you be friends with somebody for years and then fall in love? And, you know, the vast majority of romantic comedies, there are some other ones like that where people are friends for a long time. And then it's, you know, that, that, that cliche of sometimes what you've been looking for all along has been right next to you. But in many, 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 many uh, romantic comedies and romantic dramas and fairy tales, people just meet and fall in love. That's the magic of the movies. And I, I have always thought that, you know, that's what they're doing with love. Actually, it's a it's a kind of a romantic comedy slash drama about romantic movies, a love letter to romantic movies, almost the greatest hits compilation because it has so many tropes from of course the characters who fall in love despite hardly hardly knowing each other the guy who acts like he hates the girl because he's secretly in love with her uh the poor fool who comes home to find out his girlfriend is cheating on him and of course they they have one of the classic mad dash through the airport sequences which for a long time in 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 romantic comedies uh in the 80s 90s and 2000s it was like every other rom-com had us chase through the airport you know if you get on that plane you know, I'll never forgive myself uh, it, to the point where it's been satirized many times. But, you know, Love Actually, the opening sequence is uh, Hugh Grant's David, the prime minister, talking about how whenever he gets kind of gloomy, he thinks about the arrivals gate at Heathrow Airport. And you see all these people reuniting or seeing each other and hugging and, uh, you know, feeling love. And they have a famous sequence uh, at the end of the film, too, where a lot of the main characters are at the airport. So I want to just go through a couple of fun things to look for. If you're going to do um, a rewatch of uh, Love Actually, uh, this is something that kind of, as the cliche goes, blew up the Internet a few years ago. Uh, an actor by the name of Madeline Lloyd-Jones tweeted, this is your reminder, there's only a five-year gap between Thomas Brody Sangster and Karen Knightley in Love Actually. Thomas Brody Sangster plays the little boy, Sam, who falls in love with the girl and her, his uh, stepfather, played by Liam Neeson, kind of guides him and helps him, encourages him to express his love. And Kira uh, Knightley is Juliet, as in Romeo and Juliet. She was only 18 when she played the young bride. So she was 18, he was 13. They don't actually have any scenes together in the movie. The, some of the, a lot of the storylines in love actually uh, do intertwine and connect. And we find out that some people are siblings and other people are friends. Uh, they never did uh, connect. And it is kind of amazing because... Uh, Thomas Brody Sangster, he was 13 playing a 10-year-old, and he looks 10 in the movie. He really looks like a little dude. Uh, and Karen Knightley, she was 18, uh, and she looks, you know, she looks like Karen Knightley. So um, if you saw them today, they could, they wouldn't look that different in age. It's interesting uh, because uh, Thomas Brody Sangster was eventually cast in Game of Thrones. He was 23, and he played a 13-year-old. So sometimes people just look a lot younger than they are. There are nine stories in Love Actually all together, nine total stories. Uh, Richard Curtis originally intended uh, two of those stories to be complete feature-length films, uh, the romance between uh, Hugh Grant's David and Martine McCutcheon's Natalie and the romance between Colin Firth's uh, Jamie and Lucia Moniz's Aurelia. Those were going to be full feature-length films, and I could see that. He also had four additional storylines. They even uh, filmed a couple of them. Uh, but they were cut in post. I, I don't think those scenes have ever surfaced. I'd love to see that. Another thing I noticed the last time I watched Love Actually, and, you know, this is kind of 2003. People had cell phones and flip phones, but we really weren't texting that much. So 
as they talk about on Seinfeld, the pop-in, when people just show up unannounced. That's a constant theme in Love Actually when you think about it. People keep popping in on other people, often at very, very key moments. So Juliet pops in at Mark's to search for the wedding video, and that's when she finds out that Andrew Lincoln, who went on to be in The Walking Dead, had shot the wedding video all about her. Uh, Billy Mack, played by Bill Nye, uh, surprises his old pal Joe. Remember, he leaves Elton John's party to go tell his Joe. Uh, Gregor Fisher playing Joe, his manager, that, you know, you're the love of my life. One of the most famous scenes, Mark's uh, cards on the doorstep moment with Juliet, which has been debated endlessly because, you know, at heart, Mark is a borderline stalker who's in love with his best friend's wife. And he shows up with those cards, which was, uh, you know, his way of expressing his love. It's still, you know, to the sounds of silent night. And it's, uh, you know, it's his way of of getting closure and, and getting it out of his system at the end when he tells her, that's, you know, he says to himself, that's enough now. Uh, but that's a pop in. Uh, and then, of course, there's a famous sequence when David, the prime minister, decides he's going to go and find Natalie. And he goes door to door in the neighborhood until he finally pops in on Natalie. And then they go to the school play. Hello, does Natalie live here? No. Right, fine. Thank you. Sorry to disturb. Yeah, aren't you the prime minister? Uh, yes, in fact, I am. Merry Christmas. Hello. Sorry to disturb. Does Natalie live here? No. She lives next door. Ah. Brilliant. You're not who I think you are, are you? Yes, I'm afraid I am, and I'm sorry about all the cock-ups. Not my fault. My cabin is an absolute crap. We have to do better next year. Merry Christmas to you. Ah. Hello. Is, uh, Natalie it? Where the fuck is my fucking coat? Oh, hello. And I think maybe the romantic, uh, the most romantic moment in the entire movie is when Jamie goes to France, because that's where Aurelia lives with her family, uh, and he leaves his family behind, his his uh, siblings and uh, nieces and nephews. Remember the little kids? I hate Uncle Jamie. I hate Uncle Jamie. Uh, and he goes to France to just to declare his love for Aurelia, saying, I know I seems an insane person because I hardly knows you, but sometimes things are so transparency, they don't need evidential proof. That was his attempt at Portuguese. I love that. I love that. A lot of great quotes in love, actually. I mentioned the nine stories, and it's interesting because people forget there was, you know, Colin's journey to America, and then John and Judy, remember they were the stand-ins? Uh, for the porn film, Martin Freeman. Those are ones that people don't think about as much as they do as the ones we talk about. The Laura Linney uh, story, which is actually, you know, quite tragic because she's got a brother that needs her care and attention. And, um, of course, the uh, the whole story involving uh, Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman, who works at, runs a graphics designer company, and he has an affair it's never really spelled out but looks like he had an affair with his uh secretary and just breaks her heart that's the thing about love actually when you rewatch it you realize that not all the stories end on a happy note but many of them do and there's a lot of closure at the end in the airport sequence 20 years ago on the same date love actually elf in theaters and still perennial holiday classics we celebrate them we salute them 
cheers to both films. I'm Richard Roper. This has been the Richard Roper Podcast, and we'll talk again soon.